Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. It's our pleasure to welcome you here to River City. My name is Antramika Knight. Here in the mornings to start our service, we read a psalm um, and then we pray. Um, today's psalm is Psalm 118. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll jump to verses 19 through 29. And it starts off by saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Verse 27. The Lord is God, and he has made us, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Verse 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And may we bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you for being a God of love, of sincere love that is not broken or that is not destroyed by sin. May we be dead in sin and alive in your Lord, Father God. Lord, thank you for health and thank you for peace. Thank you for the ability to pray. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for discernment. Thank you for the fruits of the Spirit. Thank you for family and friends, Father God. Thank you for River City. 
May we continue to grow together as a family, God. God, we invite those here to our table, a table that we have set up to feed on your word, a table that is set up to honor you, a table that is set up to love each other in brotherly love. We pray for each member here, each visitor, Father God. We pray for Jordan, who will be giving the message on today. All those things we pray in your son's Jesus' name. Amen. Ancient of days. Be lifted up, Jesus, in our hearts, in this place. Empower this next generation yes, God. to live a life of selfless faith. Yes, God. Yes, Lord, we prophesy into their lives and into their hearts that they will be a generation who serves you with a full heart, without an agenda, who lives the life of Christ, who pursues the values of the kingdom above all else, who doesn't seek empires or wealth or fame, but will serve the least of these. Yes, God. We pray that this generation will rise up and rest in the mystery of the gospel, not seek yes. to have all the answers, yes, but they would live a life of love and compassion and reconciliation and restoration. Lord, may they learn that life from us. That as we raise up palm branches, we lay down our own agendas, our own ways of doing things. And so, Lord, I lay down that this morning. Because to lift my hands with a palm branch, I have to lay down what I'm holding on to. So in the spirit of the imagination that Justin led us to, what to lift your hands must you lay down? What are you desperately grasping this morning? Because we're no longer slaves to fear. The things we are holding on to are our ways of keeping us safe, and for finding love. And these are the things we lay down in bravery. We lift up palm branches and we open our eyes and our hearts to the one who made us and we walk in freedom. We walk in light. We walk in the knowledge of who you have created us to be. We walk in love. We thank you, Jesus, for this time, for this space, for this community of faith. We are so humbled by it. In Jesus' name, amen. After last Sunday, we sort of came out of the last, I think we were in the middle of like the first or second major, maybe letter of intent. We've been going back and forth with the landlords on negotiating the space downstairs, the former ozone space. And um, we left last week with a sense of excitement, especially after we shared with you guys and we got such positive feedback um, after we, people looked downstairs, we were sort of walking around, and people, you guys felt really excited. That made us very much excited. Um, so on Monday, we sent another offer, right, which we agreed to some of their terms, and we um, changed some of the things that we felt we wanted, and then we kept praying, right? All right, so this week, Josh and I were on um, a network 
pastor's retreat. So we are part of a transformation network, which is a just a group of churches that we are in relationship with, and the pastors all went away. It was really wonderful. Um, so on the network retreat, we shared with um, the pastors, and we did a good deal of praying about this the space. Because for us, it's not about a building. It's about an opportunity to serve our community. Um, and it's also about stewarding the finances and the resources we've been giving. So for us, it's just not about a building. It's much more than that. Um, and while we were in the process of praying, Josh had sort of this inner yes. Like he at first was feeling really torn, you know, like this is a this is a great opportunity. This is a lot of money. This is a great opportunity. This is a lot of money. And then he just felt like he had this inner yes, like go for it from the Lord. Um, and then we had several really neat things prophesied over our church or words of knowledge. Um, one is that the Lord is going to continue to make this a place of um, missions or um, where a lot of cultures will be represented. And I'm super excited about this one. But the Lord is bringing you cultures who are going to be woven together as a family, as a team, like strings on a rope. So we are praying in the nations, right, into our community. Um, that we don't need to justify obedience. So if we are feeling the Lord leading us to this space, obedience is better than sacrifice. So sometimes just go with it. Um, Mark 10, it's okay to ask for what you want and not just what you need. And then lastly, um, they said that we are a church like St. Patrick, that the Lord is developing a strong contemplative community that has a radical hospitality for the broader community. How great is that? Oh, it's so good. So after that, Bill comes over to me in his wonderful Bill way um, and says, so I got an image. And he said that there, as we were praying, he got this image of a pallet, like pallet wood. And on the pallet were all kinds of fleeces, both wet and dry. And if you know the story of Gideon, right, God called Gideon to do something, and he kept putting out fleeces. And he was like, well, this one is wet. That means we're supposed to do it. And then God did it. And he was like, well, this one is dry. He kept putting out fleeces. And so um, Bill said, as he saw that image, he said, you tell me again. You don't need to put any more fleeces. You know what you're supposed to do. And this was right after Josh had this, like, inner yes. So that was a huge confirmation for us. Um, so we confidently moved forward um, with the letter of intent that we had. And the landlord came back and agreed to all of our terms. So amazing, right? Um, so before that happened and before retreat, we were going into this Sunday and Josh was like, we need to really fast and pray. And then the Lord changed it and said, no, you need to celebrate. So we are celebrating, right? What God is doing in our community. So this is what we, we are asking you guys to do. So because it's still a letter of intent, things aren't officially signed, right? So things can still change. And so just keep praying, right? Keep praying. But celebrate what God has done so far and begin to dream. We have been, if we have been given this space because God has something for us to do for this community. 
it's an amazing opportunity to steward. And so we want to dream. What can we do? How can we serve the community with this space? So we want to encourage you. It's not just about the staff dreaming. It's about all of us dreaming. And eventually those dreams begin to have common themes, and then we know how the Spirit is moving us. So please dream, pray, and then look for more news. I think I got everything. All right. I feel like we should just maybe say a prayer for that. Um, so I just want to do that. So if you'll pray with me, God, thank you uh, for doing what only you can do. Um, God, there's just, all we could do is pray and just feel things out and ask questions and you provided everything we needed. And so God, we just celebrate today that you are a good father and that you only give good and perfect gifts to your children. And so, God, we receive so much, and we want to use and steward what you've given us well. So, God, give us the next steps in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, um, so last week, uh, we announced to you guys that we changed a bunch of stuff. And if you weren't, who was not here last week? Just raise your hand. So you're probably a little confused as you come in. There's different signs. You're like, did they change the name of the church or something? I'm confused. So, um, so I just kind of wanted to walk through with you that missed and to reiterate the things that Josh said last week. Um, uh, when we found out last July, it's been almost a year that we found out that we were going to be in a bit of a space uh, predicament. And so uh, the, there was a bunch of our staff that were in Scotland and there was a very stripped down staff that we had here and we found out that our kids space, we were not gonna be able to use it anymore and it was gonna happen in a week. And we were like, uh, okay. And so I um, purposefully did not tell Josh and Sarah because it would have stressed them out. Um, and when they got back, we just started to pray and ask God, what are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? What are we gonna do? And um, so it's just been this process and development of trying to figure out you know, we started asking certain questions like, what do we do, God? And then it became, well, who are we? And these questions just began to change for us. And so we just started to ask questions about, well, who are we in terms of to our community, within this community? Um, just who are, what is our identity? And so it took us on a path of changing our logo and changing, um, reiterating things in our name and in our vision to really communicate who we are. We changed the website. There's these little things that don't seem like they would matter a whole lot, but they communicate something. And so we wanted to communicate who God was telling us who we were. And so I want to just walk through with you guys real quick. Um, so this is the, the idea with our name. Um, we had, when we started walking through this, we were, a lot of us were like, we don't really like our name a whole lot. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> and we started to just ask questions and we thought, well, what is it about our name that makes it us. And this is what we discovered was the river comes from Psalm 1 where there's a river, a tree planted by a river of living water and it's totally reliant on the water for its, for its sustenance. And so we said, okay, God, we're totally reliant on you for whatever you have for us. We want it to come from you, not from ourselves. So the church is reliant. The, it has this city element that has a reach out into our community. We're here we're unashamedly a local church for Smyrna. We're here to be in our community, and we're unapologetic about being in our community. And we love our city, and we want to see God do amazing things in our city. And so there's this 
reliance on God to do the stuff in our city. And it's not going to come from us as well. And then we are a church. We gather around the Eucharist and baptism. We don't, we don't, we're not apologetic about who we are in terms of our ancient roots, that we, we do do things a little bit different than a lot of modern-day churches. We're not super seeker-friendly, but we're just we're a church that gets to the roots of who we are. And so we are River City Church. So there you go. Um, so in that process, too, there was, we redesigned the logo, and it had some intention. And so I want to kind of share that with that, what that means for us. So you can see in the logo there is a, there is a river that runs alongside the, the tree. And so there's the, the river that we pull from that is God. And there's a tree there that is the church, and it has deep roots. And there, the leaves symbolize the, the reach of what we do in our city. And, and also, if you'll go to the next slide, Bill, this, these leaves all represent, there's four of them, they all represent the four pillars um, that our church is, is founded upon, which we also changed a couple of those. And so those things are all around here now. They're pretty clear, so you, you will see them and hopefully remember them. Um, like Josh said last week, a lot of us didn't even, a lot of people in the church didn't even know what the four pillars were, and so we felt like it was important, so we tried to make it really clear. So they're in here now, so the first one's living in love, right, being committed to community, creating space, growing in Christ, growing deep roots in God, not growing, trying to grow wide, but grow deep in God. Spiritual formation, we used to call this disciples making disciples, we changed it to spiritual formation, we felt like it was it better communicated who we are, so reorienting our hearts towards the good life of the kingdom, and then community transformation, what we do out here, building bridges to our community. Amen? All right, that was the really short version of what you missed last week. So listen to the podcast if you'd like to hear the full version. Um, so I want to start off by reading um, Colossians chapter 1, Bill. I love today is Palm Sunday, and it is before, I didn't even realize it, but it's very, very fitting to this message today, and I probably should have been more intuitive to that, Um, but I'm going to start off in Colossians 1. This is what it says. He, this is talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he is the number one over everything. He created everything. He has first place. And then it also says he is also head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So not only is he number one, not only is he the priority in terms of the world and creating it, that he sits highest, he is Hosanna in the highest, but he's also Hosanna in the highest in this community as well, right? And I think that we, in this location process, it really, and I think, I I felt for a while, I was like, we're kind of beating this dead horse. Like, why are we talking about location so much? It feels like, it feels less important than it should be, but it, it reveals something about our formation that is so necessary. It, it's revealed something about the formation of our community that's so necessary. And so what I want to talk to you for a second about is 
there are really two types of, of leadership. And I'm going to brag on the Turners a little bit, and they didn't know I was going to do this. And Josh isn't here, so stinks for him. So there are two types of leadership. There's technical leadership and adaptive leadership. Technical leadership is really, you know, we have, you have something come up. It's a simple problem, and it requires a simple solution. So I had a couple technical problems this morning. I came in this morning, and that sign had fallen down. So I, there was a, that was a pretty simple problem. I came in, I fixed the sign, I put it back up. It had a simple solution, right? The coffee didn't work this morning, which this has been a fun morning. The coffee didn't work this morning, so the simple solution. Somebody has to go get a couple boxes of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, and thank you, Kara, for doing that. So there's these technical problems, and leadership requires us to have people in place to do those things. That's just part of being a leader. And, but there's also these adaptive problems, which those aren't as simple. They don't require one person doing them. And so some, these are typically really complex problems, something like homelessness in Smyrna, right? This is a really complex problem, and no one person has the answer to that problem. But oftentimes we attribute these, these, this technical leadership to every other type of problem that we, uh, that we face in life. And I think that what we saw in this location process was, and I think what Josh and Sarah modeled well was, adaptive leadership brings in the community because we're the ones with the answers. Right? The, the problem, it's a big problem. We, we don't know. Right? We, we come in one Sunday and we find out, hey, we can no longer use that space. And there's not a simple solution. And it stirs something up in leaders where we say, I have to figure this thing out. I've got to have the answer. But the reality is that you, we don't have to have the answer. And it's okay to not know. And we need leaders that would say, I don't know, and, but you do. And I'm going to give you the keys to figure it out and the tools to figure it out. And that's what Josh and Sarah did. And I, so I just applaud you guys for doing that because in me, it's not, it's not the natural step, right? The natural step for me is I want to be able to accomplish the things. But they modeled it well. And so they gave us an opportunity. And I want to just thank you for accepting the opportunity because it's not an easy thing to do. And I think originally what happened was we brought this to you and we said, hey, we don't have the answer to this problem. And many of us were like, okay, they'll figure it out. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Like, we're just like, oh, they'll, they'll figure it out. And eventually you found out we, don't, we really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and you guys are like, okay, I, we might have to do this. And you began to participate. And now when we give news, we all discern the spirit together. And this happened. And then, and then God, Josh and Sarah don't get the glory, but God does. And that's an exciting thing. So, but this is, a, this is kind of the world we live in is... It's kind of this already not yet world, right, where God's already done so much. He's already redeemed us, but then also at times we sin, and it, we're not yet, right, glorified. We're not yet arrived. And so I love this idea of already not yet. And I think we see this in terms of leadership just in any kind of, of setting, in terms of we have, we always expect there to be someone at the top, and we expect this majority of people to just be, to just do whatever they say, right? There's always the, the decision makers who sit in the seats of power, and then there's those who are affected by those decisions, right? There's just a large crowd of people, right, shouting Hosanna, but there's also a group of people who are making plans to put him on a cross, and they're the ones with the power, even though so many don't want it. So I just want to talk about what a, 
what, what are these social ladders? I, th I think about them as in terms of a ladder. If someone exists at the top, and ladders go both ways, you can actually come down from the ladder. I think that's what Josh and Sarah did well. They came down to be in the midst and give the power to everyone else. But these, these uh, even in American history, if you think about it, the, our whole story as a nation started out with a colonial power. They had, they had the power, and they were, they were not giving representation. They were taxing the people and not giving them representation. And so people stood up, right? They said they spoke out against it, right? No taxation without representation. You guys remember this from U.S. history class? <laughs> then you look at, there was, so these people had the power, and then the power changed. And then what happens is another people step up, and, and then, as many of you know, the rest of our nation's history is marked by uh, racial injustice. And we have a people that say, well, no, we're going to be the ones in power now, right? And, and particularly white and particularly even male, right? So you have this religion, race, um, sex, all of these things we start to, these people are at the top, and we're going to make the decisions for the rest. And this is the world we live in, and Jesus uses these social ladders. He doesn't remove them necessarily, but he uses them to form us. And so, yes, we, we exist in this place to... Every, all of us are equal, right? And that's, that's the reality of the kingdom is we are, all, we are all grafted into this story and we're all equal. But in the world, we go out of here and you guys work jobs, right? You guys are in school systems. You're very familiar with I am oppressed by this system or I sit at the top of this system and I see the oppression. You, you read the news. You're probably on Facebook. It's constant. And all we do is we see it, and we see it, and we see it. And so the question is, well, why? Why, did, why hasn't Jesus just removed these things? It's going to happen at one point, but it hasn't happened yet. And why do they exist? They exist because God is trying to form each of us in the midst of those things. He's looking to form you. And there's an opportunity wherever you are, whatever social sphere that you live in, whether you're in leadership at your job, whether you may, you, may be, you may be all of these things, right? The things that America, historically, right? If you, were, if you were black, you've probably been oppressed. If you were female, you've probably been oppressed. If you were poor, you've probably been oppressed. And, and, and I would just like to offer, that's the new, that's the new injustice in America, is, is, the race, is, the, is the division socioeconomically. We live in a society where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and that's, that's reality for us. In, in, there's a book that I, that, I, that I love. It's called City on the Verge. It's um, by a guy named Mark Pendergrass, and he writes about the Beltline in Atlanta. And he says that Atlanta is, one, is the most socioeconomically unequal city in America. So we, we live in a, in a country that is very capitalist. It pushes materials. It pushes money, get ahead, get ahead, and climb that ladder over and over and over again. And you live in the city where it's most prevalent. Right, so we have to face, we have to face these things. We have to face that there is a ladder there, and how do, we, how do we interact with it, right? And what I love about church is this is the place where we, the diversity comes together, and we have to face it. We can't, we can't ignore it, and we, we're not going to just live at the top, and you don't have to just live at the bottom, but you have a place. So let's jump into the passage today, Mark there's a reason I'm telling you th these things. 
Mark chapter 12 is where we're at. Verse 35. I want to read this once through and then we'll read it again and talk through a little bit further. So, I'm going to read from here. You guys can read behind me. Verse 35, And Jesus began to say, as he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself said in the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so in what sense is he his son? And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. In his teaching, he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Verse 41, and he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors of the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned all she had to live on. So God, let this word speak to us, um, bring it to life. We know that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, but God, I pray today that there would be peace and um, unity in the room as we share and even dabble in difficult topics, and some of us have to face where we are, what we've done, where we're going, but God, I know that you deserve the highest place, the first place in all things. And so we give you that place together in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of context. So last, last uh, two weeks ago, we preached, uh, Josh preached and shared about these scribes who they're interacting in the temple courts with Jesus. This is happening on Tuesday of Holy Week. So we're about to celebrate Holy Week. It would be Tuesday. Maybe that's a good day to come for you. I don't know. Um, I'm sure my parents would love that for night of, uh, one night. So the, this is Tuesday of Holy Week, and we're celebrating Palm Sunday today. Um, so that would have been two days before. So Jesus arrives in the temple on Palm Sunday. Two days later, he's, he's still he's coming, coming in and out of the temple. He's in the temple on Tuesday, and he's sitting in the temple courts. There would have been a number of different courts that were based on social divisions. So there would have been women could be in this place, the Gentiles could be in this place, the scribes, you're allowed to go to the deepest places, but not these people. So the social divisions would have been very, very clear. And what what they say, what Jesus says to the scribes is really interesting. In verse, I think it was in verse 34, he says, Jesus saw that that he had answered intelligently, the scribe had answered intelligently, and he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And there's, this is what the scribes do, is they, they know the law really, really well. So they, they've got everything in order, and they have an answer to every question. right? So they're the type of leader who, if there's a problem, we're going to have the answers to this problem. They want to have the answers because it, it puffs up in them. 
this idea that they have the highest place, that they sit at the top of the ladder and everyone else must subject themselves to the decisions that we make. And so this is why, even though they get the answer to Jesus' question right, they are still, they're not far from the kingdom of God, but they're not there. And I think that's what you see is their motivation is, is egocentric. They're lacking the humility that it's needed. And so Jesus is going to walk them through. And he's, what I love is that right here he's about, to, he's about to stop addressing the scribes and he's going to start talking to everyone else. So he's like, I'm, I, get that, I get that you're sitting at the top of the ladder, but I want to I address the majority. And that's who we are. So let's, let's read through this first section one more time, and we'll pick it apart a little bit. Back at thir- verse 35. So Jesus began to say, As he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself said in the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. And David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? So we'll pause there for just one second. So the common belief in this day was that the Messiah was coming and that he was a descendant of David. They called him the son of David. He would come in the line of David. And so Jesus, and so this is, this is what the scribes had been telling people. He's coming, he's coming this way. And Jesus comes in and he says, well, actually, he pulls the sheet out from under him. He says, actually, you're wrong. He's actually not just the son of David. He's actually the Lord as well. So that would have wrecked everything that they stood on. This would have been a very embarrassing moment, especially with them being in a crowd of people. So it doesn't look like a whole lot, but it's a whole lot because it totally takes... I'm the type of person where I, I, hate, I hate having to face that I'm wrong. Anybody else like that? You don't like to, we don't like to acknowledge that, that I, don't, I don't have the answers to the, to the, to the problem. I, feel like I see my dad smiling a lot. It's concerning. <laughs> uh, so, so Jesus pulls the sheet out from under him. And he says, no, David calls himself Lord. So in what sense can he only be his son? And so and what, he, what, he, what then he says is he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Some translations say sit in the highest place. So he says, you're not really in the highest place. The Lord is in the highest place. And and then he calls them out, and he says, and he looks at the large crowd. And by the way, verse, I love verse 37, my, my favorite verse in all this. The second part of it says, this, the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. <laughs> the scribes, it doesn't say the scribes enjoyed it. With the large crowd, they really enjoyed that. Like, yeah, we've been thinking this for a long time, and finally you said it. And so he says, um, so we'll continue in, in verse 38. In his teaching, he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. They would have had robes, white robes, that would have reached all the way down to the ground. It would have shown their superiority. It would have been fringed. It would have looked very together. And, and like, they like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. So there would, they enjoyed the chief seats in the synagogues. There would, have been, there would have been an altar that sat 
in the front, and they would have sat at that altar. Everyone would have been able to see that they were there. They offer long prayers. I hate really long prayers, I'm going to be honest. Like, if you start praying for me and you go past, like, a minute and a half, I just start tuning out. So just keep it short. It's better for me. They love the chief seats at the synagogues, the places of honor at banquets or dinners. By the way, what is the, and this may be a trivia question, what is the most significant dinner that Jesus partook in? The Last Supper. It's commonly believed that the, the seat of honor at that table would have been Judas, not Jesus. Right? He totally flips the script of how the scribes did, did leadership. So they, and they also devour women's houses, de- widows' houses. So what would have happened is these, these widows, their, their husbands would have passed away, and they, being a woman, wouldn't have been able to own the property and the possessions that they had. And so the temple would have thought that, oh, well, we're going to take possession of your property. And the scribes actually, like us in ministry, they live off of the temple collection. And so the temple collection would have grown because they would have sold off the widow's property, and they would have been left poor and husbandless while the scribes would have benefited from it. It's really twisted. So they offer these long prayers, and what he says is they, they will receive greater condemnation for these things. So check out um, James chapter 1, or chapter 3. <clears throat> Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. See, I think we see this in, in churches, right, where and people would use this passage about a widow to invoke gener- a message about generosity. Say, look, you're supposed to give in your lack. All the while, the person standing in this position would just benefit from the money that you gave. So they would actually use this for the very thing that Jesus is saying don't, don't do. And so this passage is not as necessarily as much about generosity as much as it is, what, what's the posture of our heart as we present ourselves to God in the midst of these social ladders that we have before us? So they receive greater condemnation. He gives instruction to the large crowd. Beware of those people. And I don't think he's saying, like, like hey, you better watch out for them. I think he's saying, watch, watch out that you don't become like them. Because it is, when you sit at the bottom of a ladder... You are always looking up thinking, I can get up higher. There's always another place. There's always another platitude to reach, but it never satiates the longing within because the longing within only comes through humility. So beware. So what I want to do is I want to ask this question, how, how do we posture ourselves and put Jesus first? How do we do that? And this Jesus gives the most beautiful, humble example of a poor widow. So we'll keep reading. Verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. That is hilarious to me. Can you guys imagine Josh and Sarah sitting in the front and we put the bucket up here and they just watch you as you come put offering in? It just feels awkward. There would have been 13 collections Yes, it still happens, right. There, there would have been collections 
And, and Jesus is in this place, and he's observing how this, is, how this interaction is happening. And he says, many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came, put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. This would have been the equivalent of, so a denarius is 64 of these coins. That was a day's wages. So she had one thirty-second of a day's living. That's like an hour and a half worth of living. And she puts it in. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they, are, they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So, as I said, this is often abused. This is often a passage that would get used to invoke a, a message to say, you should probably give, even if you don't have much, you should probably just give anyways. But I want to ask a question is, do we really think that Jesus would have applauded the widow for giving to the very system that was oppressing her? It's probably, he's not, he's not saying, yes, you did a great job giving to these people that are taking your money. I don't, I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's about what position did she come to the collection with? It was, a, it was, it was the position of, of you are first. And I, I know I see these people and they, they act like they're before me, but you're first. And then she, and she gives out of that humility. It's the humility that's applauded, not the gift. If you pull up this quote, this is a, the Huffington Post posted an, an article um, about six years ago about this passage. And this is uh, a quote from that article. Is poverty what it used to be? Or has poverty grown so shameful that we dare not speak its name? So determined that we are, are we to keep poverty out of view, we erase the presence of the poor from Jesus' teaching. The widow we encounter in Mark 12, 38-44 provides a case study in poverty and oppression. Unable to confront poverty, we have turned her into something safer, an example of generosity. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't allow his listeners to forget about the poor. So we have to confront where, where are we, right? Like, where do we exist in the social systems that are sitting in front of us every day, right? Maybe you're in a position of leadership. Maybe, maybe you are all of the things. Maybe you are all of the things in America that get pushed down, black, poor, um, a female. Maybe you're all of these things, and you feel constantly like you can't measure up, Right? We have to, first of all, I would say to those that feel like you sit at the bottom, beware. Beware of, of becoming like those at the top because they're not any better. I'm telling you, they're not any better. And I get the honor of being on staff here in a place of leadership, and it, it, I, I'm confronted with my inadequacy more than I've ever been in life. Right? Leadership doesn't actually offer anything but revealing that you know nothing. It's just an invitation into dependency. It's the same thing as, as, as those who walk in poverty. Poverty is one of those things that you, 
It reveals your inadequacy so much. And it's why, it's why I think Jesus had such love for the poor. It's because there was, there was such a ripe soil for God to move in them. And still there is such ripe soil for God to move in us if we're willing. And so just consider, where do you exist in the circumstances of life, in the social ladders that you have before you? And what is God saying? Is he inviting you into formation? And for those that sit at the top, consider what it would look like to leverage your position for those at the bottom. Because that's really why you have the place you have. If you're using it to abuse those below you, that's not Christ-like leadership at all. Christ is offering you an invitation to bring others up at the table to sit and have a meal together. That's the place that Jesus is calling us. So maybe God is not trying to move us up and down the social ladders, but instead inviting us into formation. Maybe he's inviting us into relationship, into humility. So would you pull up Philippians 2, Bill? I think we pretty clearly see, I'm going to wrap up here in a minute, pretty clearly see in this passage the approach that Jesus takes to leadership. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every, name will, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, we, it's Palm Sunday, and we're here shouting, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna in the highest. And we're placing Jesus at the highest position, right? We're saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Sit in the highest place in this church. And are we willing to say that about ourselves individually? Are we willing to say, sit at the highest place at my work. Sit at the highest place in my family. Sit at the highest place in, my, in terms of shaping my political ideologies, right? That's part of, of this. Consider, I, I have to constantly look at myself as a white male who grew up in a middle-class home, right? How do I leverage the privilege given to me for the sake of others? Because that's the reality of the ladders that I've lived in. So place Jesus in the highest position, and take yourself out of the highest position. The scribes thought that they lived at the top. And Jesus is here to say, this is, that, that is my place. And so there's an offering for any of us who live at the top or at the bottom to say, God, we want you to be there. We, we acknowledge that we don't have the answers. And it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know the answers but you do. And so maybe you identify with the scribes, and I would just say, be okay with saying, I don't know. That's all right. And bring in community as you begin to, to be faced with your own inadequacy. 
be willing to say, I, I don't know, but this people, they do, right? The people with the problem are the ones with the answers, right? So this, we have a location process that has been happening. We don't have the answers, but you have the answers. And so even as we go forward, we're still asking you, what, what are you saying to us, right? We're going to continue to put ourselves down to a spot where we're going to say, look, Jesus is the one in charge, and we're going to make this decision together. And we don't have the answers still, right? Like God's offered, God's brought us, hopefully brought us into this space, but there's so, what are we going to do there? We don't know. That's the truth. We have no idea what we're going to do there. But we do know that God knows, and we know that, that we know what God, what God knows together. So let's discern the spirit of what he's saying in community. So put your foot forward, and that would, that's my encouragement and my challenge to, to you is put your foot forward. Raise your voice. Allow your voice to be heard because we're asking for it to be heard. And so, for, for, so that's for those who are sitting at the top. For those sitting at the bottom, for the, lar- for the large crowd and the widow, for those who sit in, this, in the spot where you feel like you're constantly looking up, beware of bad leadership because it's there. But we have, to be okay, we have to be able to trust good leadership when we see it because there is good leadership out there, and there are people who don't want to abuse you. And many of us have, been, have grown so accustomed to being abused over and over again in our lives that we're unwilling to trust. But it's okay to trust until you're given a reason not to. And even still, you've got to have grace. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to go into ministry time. The worship team can come up um, and the prayer teams. The after service, we are going to, we've been trying to get into that space so we can go in there and pray together. And um, we can't break in, so... We don't know how to do that. Not going to break in. Not going to do that. So well, what we're going to do is there, this, the common space that's downstairs in the middle is an area that we use, and there is a window that, go, that looks into that space. There are sticky notes down there, and we would love to, for you to write out um, a few different things on those sticky notes and place them on that window. As, as a prayer. And so this is, this is kind of some direction for you as you can do this as you leave today. So like as you're walking, grab your kid, as you're walking out, go down there and pray and it would be great. So these are a few, few ideas. Thank you, God, for just a prayer of thankfulness. Like, God, thank you so much that this is even a possibility, right? Anything in terms of thankfulness. Number two, a dream for this space is because, like I said, we don't know. You do. So what's a dream of what God could use that space for for our community? And then three, how do we serve Smyrna with the space? So if you would, write. You, you may need to write those three things down. It may be helpful as you go down there and write on those sticky notes. Put them on the, on the window, and we as a staff will go through and, and read those and pray over them. So, um, so I want to pray for us. And encourage you, if today anything sticks out that you feel like you're going to need some prayer about, um, there are teams up here that would be more than happy to pray with you. So, God, we give you this day our daily bread. God, we give you what you've given us. And I thank you, God, for the invitation to that you've given us so much, and all you're asking for us to do is give it right back. 
So God, in terms of the things that we know and the things we don't know, we give them all to you. We ask for your voice to speak into the areas, um, God, of confusion, of stress, of anxiety. God, for those who are in positions of leadership, God, we pray for the humility of Jesus. God, that it would rest on their shoulders, that it would surround their minds. God, for those who have been oppressed by systems of injustice all their lives, God, for those who have only ever been the the person that is looked down upon, God, we pray that you would instill value, that that you would speak life and encouragement, that, God, you would say, you are my son, you are my daughter, I am pleased with you today. And so, God, we all come before you humbly to say, God, we, we do trust, we do need, and we, we need your continued guidance as we go forward. And we lay all of our insecurities, all of our, all of our fears of what could be or what couldn't be, we, we, God, we lay aside, most importantly, our own ambitions. God, we lay aside the things that that we would say, we're going to use this space or we're going to use our influence or we're going to use for our own purposes. But God, we're going to say we're going to use them for yours. So God, would you, like a a sound from heaven, God, speak through your people and guide us. And I pray for the discernment of the Spirit today that our ears would be opened, that our eyes would see that you are for us and not against us. In Jesus' name, amen. God, thank you so much. Um, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've provided and all that you're going to do. I pray that people would go this week with your presence with them wherever they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.